0: boys and ghouls welcome to episode 73 of dads from the crypt my name is jason i'm joined by mondo hello jason hello jody's having some technical issues so he may or may not pop in but we do have our good friend casey from the the horror crew how you
1: guys doing good casey how are you
2: i'm doing well thank you
1: and uh, i'm sick but jason's like you can't take time off because you're at a sick time (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah, you're,
1: it's in the air. You already used up your PTO. This, this is America. We don't have mandatory sick time.
0: <laughs> you see, I think you were on our cutting cards episode. Is that correct? I was. Excellent. Yeah. Good go. time. We've well, been up to I think that's about a year ago, so we've been up to since then.
2: Wow, it has been a year, hasn't it? Uh, I've just still been churning out bloody good horror episodes. Uh, we just got done over there uh, with our top 10 best of the year you guys participated. Uh, I was pretty happy with the outcome of that. Barbarian uh, blew me away, so I was happy with that coming out of this last year. Um, other than that, I've been diving deep into uh, reading again and artwork and trying to come up with something to do with that stuff so it keeps me out of trouble
1: (laughs) is there anything you're reading right now that you'd recommend to anybody
2: uh, actually and it's complete coincidence if you hang out on bloody good horror on slack and the uh, bgh book club they're doing nick cutters the deep this month for the book club and i just happened to start that over uh, the holidays before they announced that but so that's that's what i'm reading right now is uh, nick cutters the deep it's pretty good so far
1: i really like the troop troop is one of those books that made me uh like uncomfortable physically uncomfortable uh cuz there's some gross scenes in that if you haven't read that one.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I, I haven't read that one yet but I've heard uh, I've heard warnings and stuff so I am excited it's yeah. uh, definitely going on my
1: Kindle here soon. But I really liked it so I'm going to try to join in and read the deep this month cuz that's a uh, nice. sounds like it's up my alley.
0: Didn't they announce going to do a movie for that? I
2: think so. The deep? I mean, they- it's a it's a fun setup though too. They're down in the Marineris Trench and stuff like that. So if you get into that stuff, it gives a nice uh, good
0: tension to it. <laughs> or you can watch the Meg. Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, yeah, just got to kill that. Do you know how Ice Cube? <laughs> Do you know how Ice Cube feels about going deep, right? <laughs> Maybe he's a co in the book. Oh, he goes deep, so deep.
2: You know, I don't think so I've watched Twitter the Meg yet. I, I missed that when we did it on uh, BGH. I don't think I ever went back to watch it. I don't think I heard anybody say, you need uh, to go back to watch yeah, that. And yeah. I'm like, okay.
1: <laughs> I remember some people, I don't think on the podcast, but people on, on Twitter were saying, you know, it was one of those dumbass arguments where someone said they didn't like it. Someone else goes, man, what do you mean? You didn't like this movie? I'm like, Fuck off. Yeah. Um. But for the most part, it sounds like if you like big shark movies, popcorn flick, right? But don't go out of your way to see it because <laughs> Jaws exists. Yeah, it should,
0: it's the minute thirteen, PG thirteen. They really should been R. They didn't yeah, yeah. go far enough with that.
1: There's so much good like <laughs> underwater and water horror, but like it's it's you got to give me something that I want to see. Like, why am I going to watch a popcorn flip like Meg when I can watch Piranha or Piranha, know, yeah. whatever? So there's, uh, I'm not going on my way for it. So I, I or it
2: countless me. million other good shark movies, even
1: Orca. Give me Orca. Like I'll watch. Yes. <laughs> orca.
0: Exactly. Uh, <laughs> Yeah. Okay. Well, let's talk about today's episode, episode five, Cabinet of <laughs> Curiosities, Pikmin's Model Mondo. Give us a plot synopsis.
1: Yeah, I said I was ready to do a plot synopsis. I was. I am not ready to do a plot synopsis, but I'll do my best. Um, well, it's a good thing because it's a really straightforward episode. It is. It's based off the, the HP Lovecraft short story by the the same name, and we all know how nice of a guy HP Lovecraft was. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Anyhow. Uh, basically starts out with uh, with Will who's a uh, art student at Maine he's going to Miskatonic U and I'm gonna That's make this crazy. real short yeah. because it is pretty straightforward in that he, he basically is an art student there and he goes and he's going to do his, uh, his painting stuff and he's making paintings and he comes to class and a new student arrives new student is Mr. Pickman Richard Pickman uh, Dick Pickman, we're gonna call him here in this episode, uh, <laughs> and yeah, they, they could, he go they go to class and they have a new uh, model come in to pose for them as they're doing. I guess you call that not still life, but whatever portrait work. I don't know. I'm not an artist. Come on, yeah. Casey, help me out here. Uh, <laughs> so I'm not.
2: I'm an artist. I'm not like uh, trained by any means. <laughs> you know,
1: you don't you don't paint naked people yet. You know, you, Casey, you know, uh, I'll be no. willing to model
0: for you if you need one.
2: I mean, it's not like I haven't asked my wife a million times, but I haven't got been able to draw nudes yet. <laughs>
1: <laughs> we well, haven't, you haven't asked Jason though, and- that's yeah. true. <laughs> but it's but he ends up walking by and he goes to, to rinse his paints or whatever, and he sees he sees uh, Mr. Pickman's painting, and it's this crazy demonic. Like, yeah, it's it's of the model, but it's got his flesh torn out and some little some little tentacle action going there because you can't have Lovecraft without tentacles. And, uh, and he's like, "What the fuck is this guy doing?" But he's also impressed with how great his work is. So then he starts getting weird visions of things, like being visited by uh, an old apparition, an old witch. And when he's you know he's standing there and he sees like his his fiance's dad sucking on the teat of this old witch's uh, fun bags, or whatever you want to call them. <laughs> that's that's what I'm calling them because they just looked weird. Like I don't know what was happening there. They weren't. I've never seen titties that look like that. And uh, but uh, yeah, but long story short, he starts seeing more and more images. Starts seeing more, having more and more visions, and he gets to the point where he's start seeing, he starts seeing the painting moves. He's mm-hmm. having these dark dreams, uh, which is a, a common theme in Lovecraft work, where he sees like these horrific thing of cannibalism and of, of otherworldly entities. And then he can, eventually he confronts. Pikmin about it because then Pittman's gonna have his own art show and his son even starts having visions and he, he gets to the point where he's like, No, this this really can't happen because people are gonna become possessed by these paintings like I have. So he goes to destroy the paintings and uh Pikmin confronts him, he ends up shooting Pikmin, and then some Pittman kind of laughs at him and says, You you think I'm just drawing fiction, but I'm drawing reality. This is what happens when everything goes dark. And then you see the Lovecraftian monster climb out of the well in Pickman's uh, art room and drags him down into the abyss, and and, and Will's freaked out, so Will runs away. Okay. And then they then then you know fast forward, and Will's the, I guess like, wait what would be the curator? of he could come to going to be curator, I believe, of a museum, and he gets yeah. there and he notices that the art on the wall is all Pickman's art. And he's like, no, that can't be because I burned it. And he sees his friend there staring at it and he's starting to turn his eyes all fucked up from looking at the paintings. And then he runs back in and he sees his son and his, uh, his, his wife staring at these paintings. And he says, no, you guys have to leave now. You guys have to get out. And then, uh, spoiler alert, so at the end, he goes back home. Can we really spoil a piece of literature that's been around for 100 years? I don't think so. <laughs> uh, he goes back home and then his, his wife is, my, my, you know, my favorite, the, the end scene. Chef's kiss. I'm just going to say like, you know, there's things again in, in, in movies and TV shows that you know is, is where it's going and you know what's going to happen. And when it does, it's still awesome. And yeah. she's chopping and doesn't sound like vegetables, but it might sound like some carrots, like maybe some, some, uh, some really turgid carrots, um, they like add, like
0: squi-
1: <laughs> yeah, add in some squishy noises as it yeah. goes off. And they never, and then he comes up behind her and puts her hands on her like you're apt to do to your. Uh, first of all, I mean, let be honest. Like, if your wife's cooking in the kitchen and you're going up to say hi, you always go for the ass. You don't go for the shoulder. Just get it. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. That's a sign of a good marriage. Yeah, yeah, exactly, Casey. <laughs> you, you, Although, like, if she's got a knife and chopping, that's when you do the be careful. Sl- yeah, you do the yeah. you do the slow squeeze. You put your hands on there and then you squeeze once you feel hear the be- knife chop stop chopping. You
2: got to pick your battles. <laughs> exactly.
1: You don't give a swat when they're chopping with the a <laughs> knife. That's how someone ends up. Uh, that's how you lose an eye. As we find the out, <laughs> she turns around and she has no eyes and she's smiling and she's talking to him. And then what I love about it, though, is you see her left hands there and it's just, got, it's just mangled. But they never show it, really. They never zoom in on it. They just kind of yeah. show it saying they're mangled. And then uh, she goes, well, she basically tells him to look in the oven and it's like straight out of seven it's like what's in the oven (laughs) we know what's in the oven even though we all know it's there (laughs) and he goes and opens up the oven and it's his son's head and then which
2: i did i was impressed with because like you said we all knew where this scene was going but you're sitting there thinking like oh what are they going to show us where are they going to show us and i think they they picked a good in between yeah, because
0: yeah. he did, like, a behind, like, silhouette of the head. Yeah. So you knew what it was, but you didn't, get to, you didn't have to see, like.
1: It could have been a whole lot more yeah. gruesome. Definitely. And sometimes in a in a, in a, you know, a show, it's almost, you know, the less you show, the better. Because mm-hmm. I, I think yeah. it's more impactful than if you showed, like, an over-the-top gross head. Because uh, realistically, that end scene wasn't really about the kid's head. It was about his grief and his madness of what he just saw. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This was, that, was, that was the focus of it. Um, but then, then what's played back in his brain is the line from Pikmin, basically saying, uh, God, I wish I wrote the line down now, but this was kind of sprung on me last second. Uh, basically saying that um, uh, that like this is what, what what you see. It's not what you see when everything goes black is horrifying or something to that effect. And that's the end of the episode. That was a terrible recap. I think we'd all agree. But uh
2: all
0: right, uh, Casey, Casey, <laughs> Casey. why don't you start us off? What do you think of this episode? And uh, give us some Lovecraft background if you have it for this episode. All
2: right. I'm any, a- any
0: Lovecraft connections? Love, Lovecraft a- connection.
2: <laughs> I'm a big Lovecraft fan. I've read a lot of it. I don't know that I've ever read the original uh, short story of Pickman's uh, model, but the uh, I was excited with this one. Um, I've seen. I've taken in a lot of uh, Lovecraft media over the years and so a lot of it come you know i just like i know lovecraft's not a great dude and that's a whole nother discussion but at the same time i just really like monsters and creepy stories and that's what he was good at so there's a lot of good stuff to break down there and i get into the cosmic horror angle of stuff i like the idea of something huge and looming and unknown that's uh, coming after you and kind of present itself to you because it's like uh, it's scarier than a ghost. You know where ghosts come from. Came from a dead person that you know that you saw last week or something like that. <laughs> but when the creepy cosmic stuff shit's coming, you don't know what you're getting into.
1: The ghost right? came from that so, old guy that I killed on the road that threw his body yeah. over the cliff. <laughs>
2: uh plus I got into I I really enjoyed this episode too this is i got uh really into the cabinet of curiosities overall uh this was what number five i think on the end yeah. of the series and it started becoming apparent to me as we went that, that a lot of these stories were going to be lovecraft stories and which is exciting and this one actually felt like it was trying pretty hard to Uh, stick to its roots instead of doing something new a lot of these stories you see something do uh them doing something new with that kind of mythos and playing with it on their own and it's not even necessarily a lovecraft story but it's that whole lovecraft mythos they're playing with this was one of his stories i think they did pretty well with it they uh felt like they were pretty respectful to it and gave us a straight up uh lovecraft tale and the cast was pretty solid too not necessarily their accents. We can get into later, <laughs> but, and I love Chris Glover as he's just a giant weirdo, and I find it fascinating, and his approach to acting and everything else. Like, uh, I mean, obviously we know him as McFly, but like Willard, I thought was he did that remake of Willard probably twenty years ago now, if not longer, yeah. and that was really good too. Uh, he's just a creepy dude in general, and I think he. Brings a lot of that to a role in a uh, Lovecraft story, and I really liked how it worked out.
0: Yeah, I'll, I'll hop in for a minute. Um I like that this episode went full Lovecraft. We, and, yeah. you know, it's though the other ones are all oh, touched by Lovecraft. This was this this one went deep on the Lovecraft scale. And the, um, one,
1: yeah. the ones were just caressed by Lovecraft. This one, was yeah, so <laughs> they, they got this love one taps. Went, This one went deep. Yes. Um,
0: like I'm, I was trying to think, like have we had many straight adaptations of Lovecraft?
1: There are some. Um, a, a really great one was there used to be a, a group called like the Lovecraft Preservation Society, and they might still exist, but they did a super, super low budget Call of Cthulhu. That mm-hmm. was silent too, wasn't it? Yes, have you seen it, Casey? Yeah, I really loved it. I, I thought it yeah. was for having no budget, I thought they nailed it. Granted, you know, it shows. It's, it's no budget but they are super creative with a lot of things but that was a really just by the numbers uh, right. and I mean that in the best way possible is it stayed very very true to the to the original like, and for the most part you know uh, Stuart Gordon he stayed pretty true to the original source material obviously making some changes here and there to bring it into a modern age
0: Right. Yeah. I so this, I, I'm thinking like I can't think of though like a big budget straight adaptation like keeping it the same time frame um,
1: no I yeah that gets it. hard yeah. Yeah, a, so there think, was a
2: there was a movie in like the somewhere early 90s called Dagon.
1: Yeah, that uh, that's Stuart uh, Gordon. based off
2: yeah, what Stuart Gordon Stuart did was Gordon, based yeah. off of the ins mouth stuff, but that was again not straight up.
1: Yeah, and even yeah. um so, and even like Stuart Gordon, even Reanimator is is based off Lovecraft. Yeah, um, right. They did uh I know the next episode is Dreams in the Witch House. And they did a I think it was uh Mick Garris might have done the episode. Uh Stuart Gordon again. He did the episode in Masters of yeah. Horror based off dreams in the witch house, I thought was actually really well done because they did a good job. How, you know, if you, if you read Lovecraft, they talk a lot about mathematics and angles and it was kind of cool. How they shot it to make these angles in this bedroom look impossible. So, but, but by what you mean when it, when it comes to something like this, this media forward and like that's easily accessible to people or that more than just us horror geeks know about it, it's very, very yeah. rare.
0: Yeah. So I think that's why I, I, this might be my second favorite episode we've done so far behind the autopsy. Um, I think it's just the other ones were like dabbling in the Lovecraftian themes this one just kind of like I said went full Lovecraft um, it's directed by Keith Thomas who did The Vigil which I was a really big fan of and then he did Fire, the new Firestarter movie which I haven't seen by now a lot of people were not happy about um, and again uh, <laughs> Ben Barnes uh, is the lead well, as William he did Chronicles of Narnia and Westworld uh, the main uh female his wife is uh, Ariana Lemon uh, please Rebecca she was in Lock and Key but she hasn't done a ton I thought she was actually did a really good job Crispin Glover you know he's just such a character um, I love him in, in the Friday 13th final chapter he's just
2: yeah he,
0: Because I think he's still like too shy to go like full Crispin like, like where he goes to later on in his performances so he's like still kind of like playing along but he then lets himself out a little bit there, and that's just this is such an endearing character in that movie. I love it, <laughs> and also he's also plays that really weird character in the Charlie's Angels
1: movie, Full
0: Throttle. Oh, i never seen Oh that. yeah, I forgot about that. <laughs> it's, it's really weird. Yeah. Then uh, I haven't watched American Gods. he was in a bunch of episodes.
1: Of I that. watched the first season. It was pretty good. I mean, it's just hard, man. Like yeah. just nowadays, it's it's hard to keep keep invested. There's so many streaming channels out there. Then I think that was on Stars, but he was very good in that.
2: Yeah, I yeah. was in the same boat with exactly. that one. I liked him in that, but I watched first season, and there wasn't anything, like, demanded my attention back for season two yet. <laughs> yeah, it, was
1: a, it seemed like a lot of good ideas that were just loosely, just loosely there, and I'm sure it could have yeah. been me, like, I'm old, and my intention is shit, so. <laughs>
0: um, so, Kisa, I had a question. The school that they go to, was that a reference? Yes. The yeah. what is Miskatonic? That? Miskatonic. That's...
2: I don't know for sure if Miskatonic was ever brought up in actual Lovecraft stories. I think it was probably mentioned at that. And then over the years, so it's fun on like the literature side because H.P. Lovecraft came up with this whole idea of the cosmic horror and the mythos. He didn't like invent cosmic horror, but it was his world that started to build on that. And now when you hear people talking about the mythos and stuff, there's a lot of other authors that have come and expanded on his ideas and that universe he's built and they write stories that take place on that. And I think Miskatonic was originally mentioned in a couple of Lovecraft stories. It really expanded in that extended world, mm. um, but you hear it a lot. I mean, Miskatonic University was where uh, Reanimator took place. Oh, uh, okay. Definitely. So that's where. They all worked. A lot of the stories take place there. I was more surprised, and uh, I, you know, I even told Cully this too because well, you can buy merchandise everywhere for Miskatonic University yeah. and stuff like that. It's a whole thing. But I never knew Miskatonic University. We knew we had them where they're dealing with like biological studies, where you got Reanimator and crazy stuff where they're you know playing with other dimensions and stuff. But they had an art department. Who knew?
1: Yeah. <laughs> I have to show you my my Call of Cthulhu statue. Uh, oh, awesome. nice. <laughs> yeah. Cool. And, um, I, I like
0: the scares in this quite a bit, that, that, which was hella creepy. That scene with the, the, the table with her husband, um, yeah. served, that was really cool.
1: And, and they do it I, in such a good way. Cause it's never really that crazy jump scare. It's meant to, it's, yeah. it's like, again, you kind of know where it's going. You're like, ah, oh, and, and the shots they did with the paintings moving, I thought was just yeah. Really brilliant.
2: Yeah. Well, all the artwork in this was really cool, too. However they had to do it for them whatnot so to get it set up is really well done.
1: At the end and during the credits, they credit somebody with doing most of the art for this. And uh-huh. I, I can't, I'm having trouble finding it online. But I need to go back and look at it because the artwork was fucking awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I want some of this shit in my house.
2: Yeah. And that's like one of my favorite things, like with getting into Lovecraft is finding out about all of this crazy monsters because they're all bizarre. There's hundreds of them. Different elder gods and stuff like that. We got to see a lot of them play with a lot of that stuff and a lot of these drawings here, which is cool. I wish we would have gotten more actual monsters, but the ones we got, I was really happy with.
1: Yeah, I I was thinking too. Like when we talked about um, modern, I guess Hollywood adaptations of, of Lovecraft, but um, one of the movies we talked about it before we we started recording. In the Mouth of Madness is 100% a Lovecraft story. It's, it's not a Lovecraft oh, yeah. story, but like Casey mentioned that there's all these um, authors out there and people expanding upon Lovecraft's work. That's 100% a, a Lovecraft story, like with the unknown and the the right. And it's almost, you know, Sutter Kane is meant to be H.P. Lovecraft. Yeah. And if you guys grew up when, you know, we we're all around the same age. You, you always had those those uh, I don't know if it goth, goth kids are the right words in high school that would go to the bookstore and buy a copy of the Necronomicon, thinking yes. they were <laughs> thinking they were going to invoke demons and stuff like that. But that was one hundred percent someone just t- just wrote that to cash in on the Lovecraft myth and really well yeah. done with what <laughs> they wrote to cash in on the on the Lovecraft mythos. So Dude, that Nec-
2: that Necronomicon book was like a formative part of me growing up. Been coming to because I started hearing about it like yeah. in high school and people talking about it. And I started buying it just like I did with Blair Witch about, oh, this is yeah. real. This is going to be, I was scared of it. But then after a while, I started thinking, like, well, if it was this evil, why would they sell it at Barnes? Noble? <laughs> 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 and then I started looking into it. And I'm like, oh, this is a story.
1: <laughs> yeah. I definitely had a copy. I definitely had a copy of it. And they also made a, a movie called Necronomicon. Yeah, it's yeah. actually kind of hard. I still have a VHS copy of it because I don't think they ever nice. they released it on DVD. But I think it was only in uh, as bootleg. I don't know if they ever actually made official DVD release of it. But it uh-huh. it, it, it was based around four different stories and all very very good. And uh, what's funny, I still remember the first time I watched that was in 1996 after the first Metallica concert I went to because uh, we went to go hang out at my cousin's house afterwards and he showed us the uh, the Necronomicon movie and I'm like I'm. Fucking hooked on this. <laughs> nice.
2: yeah. Was that the Book of the Dead?
1: That uh, you're talking about. It might have been called that. I don't remember. It was just called Necronomicon, or if it was actually called Necronomicon, Book of the Dead from like
2: '93. Because yeah, that actually has uh, Jeffrey Combs in it.
1: Yes, who he, was he plays H.P. Lo- he plays H.P. Lovecraft in that. Nice, and, and the story is him basically going to an old um an old library, I think Miskato- Miskatonic, and going in yeah. there and finding the Necronomicon and reading it, and the stories are, are happening as he's reading it. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's a cool, it's a cool horror That's, anthology, and I'm sure you that can, sounds like we should maybe we should cover it someday. I'd be, I'd be totally down. So I, I absolutely, yeah, it'd be fun. I absolutely it. love it. So Add it to the imaginary list. Um, can I bring up one <laughs> other really cool thing they did in here that I don't think I've seen done? Well, Mondo, why don't you tell us what you think about this episode? Well, I have been kind of talking about it with you yeah. guys, but and I'm right <laughs> with you guys. This is probably right. Man, this might trump the autopsy for me. I don't know. I'm gonna ba- ba- bounce it back. But they're, they're one and two uh, for me definitely so mm-hmm. far in this season. but I really do love a good Lovecraft adaptation like I think Casey hit every mark on the head where it's a lot of times when they do Lovecraft adaptations it doesn't really feel like Lovecraft. It feels like they took a, a Lovecraft story and just adapted it to, to show on the big screen or whatever and this way shovel as
2: much gore as possible. yeah
1: exactly <laughs> and and again, a, a good one is a good recent one would be color out of space.
2: Yeah.
1: Uh, Granted, the director of that ended up being a real big dickbag, but it's still a great movie. And if you buy the movie, all the proceeds go to charity now. They don't go to him. Just for record. Oh, nice. I think it was Elijah Woods Production Company did it. And when he found out about the producer, the director, I forgot the guy, Richard Stanley. When he found out about all his discretions, he went ahead and said, cool, like we're basically cutting him out of any future proceeds but he didn't want the film just to die because all these people worked so hard on it. So I think all the profits are going to um, to charities uh, for battered women and, and to help women who are, are in situations like his, his wife was or his girlfriend was. And
2: another movie with the greatness of Nick Cage. Yes, yes. Yeah. Nick <laughs> cage
1: off the wall. Uh, one thing that's, again, I love the visuals in this and granted a little bit too much CGI for my liking, but what are you going to do? You have to do that for some yeah. things. And but the way they drew these older characters just being these, and, and the, the whole scene with the feast, and yeah, then the bugs crawling over it, and then the te- the the octopus because you gotta have that. You gotta have something from the deep there. I loved yeah. it. But the only thing I have is like just because you're this these demons and you're gonna eat human flesh and whatnot, do you have to have bugs on your food? Can you at least have some semblance of health of health code when you're making your food? Just saying. Yeah, that. at least cook it. Yeah, cook <laughs> it. Like shoo the flies away before or you serve eat it
2: fresh. It. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but there is a scene in this when he's when he when he uncovers Pikmin's um. Because Pikmin had just gotten out of the review with the professor and he's very upset about it. And, and Will's kind of trying to befriend him at this point, I think, because he respects his art so much. And he, un—he first time he looks at Pikmin's artwork when he unravels it, or the first time he sees a completed piece, and he picks up the scalpel and he's like shaking it towards his head. And it's got this dramatic music playing. And then it cuts out because someone else walks in the room and the person's looking at him. I forgot, him. I remember if it was his wife, and he's sitting there he has- still doing this. I thought that was so brilliant and so terrifying because we often see those scenes with the effects of a soundtrack building it up for us. To see no sound, what this would look like in real life, made it way more terrifying to seeing a person standing there with no music deciding he's going to kill himself with this fucking scalpel. I thought that was just brilliantly done. And and again, man, like I know the director did Firestar, which everyone goes, oof. Uh, but great soundtrack to that movie done by the Carpenters. If you guys had not the band, the Carpenters, oh, nice. but the, the, <laughs> the, Paul the good, the Carpenters, <laughs> uh, <laughs> Cody and John, we've only <laughs> just begun. <laughs> so it was, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm again, it's a different movie. <laughs> big fan of this episode. and I really hope they, uh, and I'm really excited. I'm really excited next week for them to do dreams in the witch house, because that's a, that's a really good story. Yeah. Too. And, and can we just, could we just like, dude, I, fucking, I'd be fine if Guillermo del Toro did crowdfunding for in the mouth of madness at this point, or, or yeah. I started in the mouth of madness at the mountains of madness.
2: I know, yeah, I would want to see that so bad because you know he's got a treatment out there. Yeah, because the we talk in, about
1: it for then, a while. <laughs> what, <did you laughs> the the, the elites some uh,
0: visual effects test footage that looked really cool. Yeah,
1: so. people were knocking it because it looked old and it was old and it was oh, done no. just as a <laughs> test. Yeah, but. If you haven't seen that case, you look it up. It's really cool looking. It's basically. I've seen some of it, yeah. Yeah, it's really cool looking. So I would, man, like, I'm in for anything. Like, anything Del Toro wants to do at this point, I'm I'm pretty much in for. And it's a shame that with all the shit that gets greenlit, that they won't let him do um, at the Mountains of Madness. But uh, in my heart of hearts, I do hope that the recent um, resurgence of the Kaiju film and the, the tons of money those made. And also with the, uh, what we've seen in this past October with with Megan and with Terrifier 2 and with Smile and all these horror fr- – horror, not franchise. Well, I guess Terrifier 2 is a franchise, but not – it's not like it's a remake of a movie that did a ton of money, right? It's, it's still a newer film, but we're getting these new IPs that are suddenly making a lot of money for studios. And I really hope they – they say fuck yeah Yeah. let's go ahead and just give give del toro the money and for the love of christ let's get at the let's get the mountains of madness did you watch he's got such a
2: love for uh, appreciation for it obviously of the of the
1: genre yes definitely
0: uh pinocchio He did i have not no it's on my list though it's on my list i've heard it's really it's really heartbreaking i'm like yeah
1: yeah yeah it's uh I don't know if I, that's a movie i want to you know you got to be in the right mindset for that and right now i'm not in the mindset for anything heavy like, I, like right a now.
0: heartbreaking pinocchio that just yeah. sounds really bad. I like, really like of
2: the, some of this stuff like with that the mountains of madness though too that's part of the frustration of being a del toro fan i'm i'm a big fan and i usually really get into his movies and stuff but there was that period where We were hearing like every other week, Del Toro signing on to do this movie. He's going to do this. and going to do this. And after a while, it's like, well, I'm not going to get excited until I actually see it come out.
1: (laughs) Well, he did get attached to do a Dr. Frankenstein movie. Yeah. And and Jason, do you remember when we had the Frankencast guys on who I said Mm -hmm. I would love to see direct a Frankenstein movie? I feel like I willed that into existence. So if I can will (laughs) something else into existence, this year is going to be the year where he announces that he's going to do um, at the Mountains of Madness. Yeah, they've been he's, he's been attached to a lot of Universal
0: Monster stuff, and he kind of did like yeah. a, a roundabout, you know, creature uh, from the Black Lagoon, when he did Shape of Water. So, yeah, but he's, that, he's like, getting it out there
2: that Doctor Frankenstein movies got Oscar uh, Isaac attached, right? I
1: think. Ooh. so, yeah, yeah. Talk, okay.
2: about fa- talk about talk about fanboy moment. Together, I'm down. <laughs>
0: All right. Um, yeah. Awesome. Real quick though, the, you were talking about the silence in this new, in this episode, but I love the scene where. Pickman gets William into his house uh, towards the end for the finale. And then he just kind of disappears. Like, Oh, I'll be right back. And you just sit there and there's that, like almost like a heartbeat in, within yeah, the score. Yeah. All that. Yeah, I, yeah. I love it when they do that. That's very effective.
1: It's and What's interesting is, is one of the first movies, I remember, and it probably wasn't the first horror movie, obviously that did this, I remember the first time I watched a Texas chainsaw massacre uh-huh. uh, and what kind of blew me away that, that, that the most terrifying thing to me was that there was no crazy score to it, like there's no. I was so used to as you know, a younger watching all these horror films that they always had that climactic buildup, and either it was going to be a tension breaker or something bad was going to happen. Whereas when that movie came out, and they utilized the sound, so the lack of soundtrack was utilized so well, and like you said, Jace, I think yeah. they did the same thing here by actually utilizing a lack of a lack of soundtrack to make those scenes like uncomfortable because you're supposed to be yeah. uncomfortable. And just, uh, bravo.
0: Yeah. (laughs) All right. Do we have any final thoughts? Anything we haven't covered? Pour some more whiskey here.
2: Uh, There was, I'll just say, I went and dug around a couple articles, uh, like Wikipedia and stuff, just reading up about Pickman's model, and I kind of like the idea. There's a lot of talk, especially like in regards to this movie. There's a lot of talk that you never really actually see Robert Pickman as being An antagonistic bad guy he's more of an anti-hero than anything he's not really doing anything wrong he's the one that's realized that sometimes you just got to accept that the dark shit exists and learn how to live with it and there was a lot of talk about how in the story and whatnot you get that where he gives away a lot of that internal turmoil to deal with the external whereas you see the real kind of bad guy of this story, which was, I can't remember, is William something, wasn't it?
1: I can't uh, think of his last William, name. William, I want to call him Will Turner, Herber. I think. Yeah. Herber.
2: Where really he's kind of the bad guy because he's so hung up on all the internal stuff that it's making him blind to everything that's happening around him. So you get into that deep angle of it, which I mean, I'm going to be honest with you. I don't pick up on that stuff the first time through to usually a bit.
1: No, me, either. you know.
2: You start to see, once you go out and read that and whatnot, it makes sense. It kind of fits.
1: You know, Lovecraft was always big too on, you know, obviously he was, he was a xenophobe, let's be honest. So a lot of his writing yeah. is about fear of the unknown and also obsession. And it's kind of, Will is almost obsessive over all yeah. this. And that's, you know, in a lot of horror, it's that, you know, you have that character that's, a, a, you know, that just can't leave Will enough alone. And maybe if you, and he's obsessive about it. And even when it starts hurting his family, he doesn't let it go.
2: Right. Right. Whereas Pikmin was, he's a little kooky and he's a little weird, but he's doing what he wants and he's perfectly happy doing, content doing it. And, you know, like at one point they asked him about entering that contest, and he's like, "I don't care about awards; it doesn't really matter to me. Yeah.
1: That's not why I'm doing this." I, I would say the only antagonistic, antagonistic, yeah, antagonistic <laughs> piece of him—that uh, ass is a um, <laughs> 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 antagonistic. But. Uh, he, uh, but he is he. His agreement to put the the artwork though up on display can kind of show that he does have some nefarious nefarious means. But he's basically just the vessel. He's just yeah. drawing what he sees. And does he really know the consequences of what he's drawing? Who knows. But well, I think at that yeah. point, you're, where's your mind at when you've been exposed to these horrors? Well,
0: well also like I forgot about was that William the father keeps sending his child away. Like he gets exposed to these horrific things, and he's like, "Go to the other room, son." I'm like, no, stay with your kid, make sure he's okay, or keep him in your sights. Yeah, he never does go to check on him.
1: <laughs> he never does, but it, understand though it's also what 1910, 19, whatever. Was just, and back then yeah. it was like, uh, the, the, the man make money, women take care of kids. Like that was that was basically yeah. it. And so he's he's, like, Are you okay? son
0: okay? Go with your mother away.
1: Yes, that is by no means good parenting. But in 1909, like you're considered a psychopath if you talk to your children. So, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> like that psychopath trying to be a dad. What the fuck is wrong with that guy? He's gonna mess that kid up. He keeps talking. Yeah, to exactly. Him. He's ruin that kid. He keeps hugging his kid and loving him. Like he's gonna really mess that kid up for life. <laughs> Don't tell your kid you love them. You terrible human being. You.
2: But hey, Pikmin though. Hey, I really like be- meeting your boy. He's a really nice boy.
1: Yeah. That, okay. <laughs> should we
0: should we, have we talked about the accent because I oh, never spent accent. much time in New England, but that was oof. yeah, that was a hell of an accent.
2: Oh, it was, and it wasn't just Crispin Glover either. I, everybody's accent was a little all over the place. <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah. Like I said, it was like an AI generated accent. <laughs> Like, I couldn't like think once so every other word was a different part.
1: What's yeah. funny though, that never really bothers me. Like, I just don't care anymore. Like, like an accent can't take me out of stuff anymore, but it can just, I just kind of, I kind of, it's kind of like, it sounds like what you guys did too. I just kind of giggled at it.
2: Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah no, it definitely makes me giggle.
1: <laughs>
0: yeah. You know, it doesn't ruin the episode. It's just kind of
1: giggling. <laughs>
2: yeah. It's so one of those moments where you hear something come out of Chris Glover's mouth. You're like, ooh, this is that one. <laughs>
1: and and yeah. I think it's um, when Chris, when Chris, when Crispin is doing it. I give him a little bit of a pass. It's really bad though when it's like a drama movie or something supposed to be taken like deadly serious, and you and you have someone just doing a horrible accent, and I'm just thinking like, why didn't the director rein this shit in? Right. When, it's, when it's Crispin Glover, it's like yeah, well, fucking whatever. <laughs> You're kind of crazy anyways, and we don't want you to go off on set, so just <laughs> do whatever you want.
2: <laughs> the uh, Colleen's family is all from Ireland. Like her mom was born and oh, raised God. in Limerick, Ireland, and that. Uh, I want to say it was remains of the day. I don't know that that was it with Nicole Kidman and Tom Cruise, and they did that movie about Ireland back way back when when they were young and married. Yeah. Did she, she know any good poems? Well, Colleen still can't watch that movie because of Nicole Kidman and Tom Cruise's Irish accents.
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah, I imagine. I imagine that'd be pretty. If you're if you've grown up around people who have that accent, and then hearing a terrible one's a whole different ball game. Than yeah. That. Yeah.
2: But the accents in this, like, yeah. You know, I, mean, I know you and I were talking earlier, but both been to Boston. Never heard any of those accents.
1: <laughs> I heard one person who talks somewhat like that, but never is as extreme as we imagine Boston accents to be.
0: Yeah. You see, Eric, does Eric like bring out the accent when he's not recording?
2: Nah, he's got if he gets anything, he gets New York because he grew up over there in upstate uh, New York. So it comes more from that side than anything.
0: There you go. I know. Yeah, he was in
1: Boston for a while.
2: Yeah, he was there for a few years. Yeah. Jason, All right,
1: let's... Do you know anybody that has that crazy California accent? What do you mean? I don't know, man. Yeah, Cal- <laughs> yeah like the episode the, the SN- Californians. Yeah. The Californians. yeah. Wow. <laughs> I hear that sometimes when I'm at the airport and it's just uh yeah, nah. g- give me that cockney box Boston accent any day of the week Yeah. over that. Over that. There you
0: go. All right, let's move to our episode rating. We do zero to five, five being the best, zero being the worst. You can do half points. Casey, what do you give this episode?
2: I'm going to give this one a four and a half because of the, uh, accents.
0: <laughs>
2: but, uh, otherwise I think it was a really solid, uh, HP Lovecraft adapt- adaptation. I was pretty into it. Nice.
0: All right, Mondo.
1: Same boat, four and a half. It, just because, and I, I said this before to anybody who actually listens to our podcast more than one episode, which is actually a lot of people. So thank you, all you 130, 40, 50 people, whatever, I don't know. But uh, it's Jason's department. Uh, but if I watch the episode, I don't immediately think five in my brain, then it can't be a five. So I didn't immediately think five in my brain. So I'm going to go four and a half, which still means, guess what? It's freaking awesome.
0: Yeah. yeah. Speaking of numbers, I posted... Uh, sometimes I see a stupid picture like on Facebook or Twitter that I'll post it on Instagram. And I did that one for a bass bass bass, bassist playing a bass bass. And somehow it's gone over a thousand likes.
2: <laughs>
0: I don't understand <laughs> how Instagram it does its time. thing, but thank you all a thousand people so far that like the stupid picture of a fish. So, it's, um,
1: uh, so it's Jason recently just celebrated his birthday. Yes. Ooh, yeah. Oh Yeah. I had a thought for your birthday and I was going to put, I couldn't figure out. I was going to put up your phone number <laughs> on Instagram for eight. I thought about this, Jason. I didn't do it. I was like, we don't have a ton of followers. I wonder if I just put Jason's phone number up for eight hours. Is it everyone just text Jason a happy birthday? If it have gone really well or really bad. And that's why I didn't do it.
0: No, that would been terrible.
1: <laughs> yeah. I was like, like it could have been really awesome. You could got like maybe a hundred, like happy birthday texts. But I was like, it could also go really bad. And he could also, <laughs> yeah. like I
0: already get more texts than normal on my birthday, which is like, Stressful enough. (laughs) So, having all these strangers, like from family members, I'll like talk to on birthdays. So, (laughs) that would have been
1: a bit much.
2: Yeah, um, thankfully,
1: I, thankfully I get all those on Facebook. So, I have a simple rule that I don't generally wish people. Uh, I don't generally wish if I have someone's phone number, I won't wish them a happy birthday on Facebook, and I won't wish them unless someone I interact with because I just think it's more. I rather just send them a text message. I'm like, no, I'm actually thinking about you. I just didn't log into Facebook. I'm like, oh yeah, fucking shit. Let me let me let me. <laughs> let me, let me. Yeah, I recently <laughs> blocked my mom's phone number on my phone, which I was pretty. I'm pretty proud about. It's a big step for me, but um, now I'm just worried. Like, what if she fucking changes her number? Damn it, like I can never answer the phone again now. So all
0: have, right. Uh, well we'll have to unpack that on another episode, maybe a Patreon <laughs> episode, but um, I gave this episode also a 4.5. For all yeah, the reasons yeah. everyone else said. The joys of going last. <laughs> all right, Mondo, do you have a song of the day for us?
1: I do. I do. So there's been a the metal genre. Mainly in, well, influenced by a lot of things, but a lot of J.R.L. Tolkien and then a lot of H.P. Lovecraft. There's a lot of bands that, that are influenced by H.P. Lovecraft. And, you know, Metallica had a few songs based around H.P. Uh, Lovecraft, even though they weren't really, really H.P. I mean, Lovecraft it, songs. Well, well the thing, the the, 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 no, no, that, there's no lyrics to that. But the thing that got, not, it's, a, it's a vibe, man, the thing that oh, it's great, <laughs> and I love that song. Uh, the yeah. thing that should not be is a, is a straight Cthulhu piece. But then I felt like later on, once Cliff passed away, I think Cliff was the guy that was really into Lovecraft. Yeah. Once Cliff passed away, I seemed like every other time they revisited Lovecraft, it was just like, oh, I guess this is a theme we can go. I don't think their hearts are really into it. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I have a, suspe- a specific band picked out for next week. But this week, um, I'm going to go with a, a yeah, kind of a death black metal band called The Great Old Ones.
2: Ooh. And
1: uh, very Lovecraftian themed. It's, it's also... What I was getting at there's a lot of really bad Lovecraftian themed music out there too. And there's, I was trying to find, I was hoping to find like a, I was really hoping because we used to have, back when I was younger, we had a rap group in Las Vegas called Doomsday and they're like satanic rap. And this is back in, you know, 99, 2000, 2001. I thought it was really cool. And there's some, you know, some, some rap groups that touch on horror, but nothing, nobody that really touched on Lovecraft. I was really trying to help to find a hip hop group that touched on Lovecraft because I didn't want to go straight metal, but. And they go with great old ones because they released in uh, two thousand and seventeen an album called EOD, a tale of dark leg a tale of dark legacy, um, EOD standing for the Esoteric Order of Dagon, which is a theme uh, throughout Lovecraft books. And they kind of wrote it as a um, I don't remember. It was meant to be like a spiritual successor to Shadow Over Innsmouth or At the Mountains of Madness. I think Shadow Over Innsmouth is Innsmouth, what it was supposed to be like almost a sequel to was the idea of the concept record. And it's actually really good. Not for everybody. I don't want people out there to be like, ah, oh, this isn't good. This isn't what I like. If you've, if you've heard my music recommendations, you probably know this is a little bit left field. Uh, but they're, they're more, when I say post-black metal, they're not just straight screaming and just fast guitars. They had a lot of different elements into the music, uh, more progressive, a lot of progressive elements in their music and I, th- I think they're they're a really fantastic band I believe um, you know, I had to put a gun to my head but I think they're from um, God I want to say they're a French band but I could or a Greek band but I could be wrong on both those aspects but um, no, um, I think they're French but they're you can find their stuff on Bandcamp all their stuff on Spotify Apple Music all that good stuff but uh, check them out oh I should name a song off the album shouldn't I yeah shouldn't I uh, we'll go with with the, the song the song of the week yes <laughs> hey man it could be <laughs> Like I'm sorry, didn't these full albums. Like, fuck it. Uh, we'll do <laughs> In Screams and Flames off of that album. Some of these albums, like, this is a big concept album. I never remember song titles on these because it's just kind of the yeah. whole album just melts together. Like a good Pink Floyd record does. The whole album kind of just melts together as one big story. So I would say, like, yeah, you can pick one song off it and listen to it. But I'd say just, just jump on the album and get a feel for the record.
0: Nice. Thank you, Mondo. Yeah, really um, it's nice to be appreciated. Jody, <laughs> since Jody's not here, we got pulled a couple different uh, pieces of horror news. Uh, the one I'm most excited about is that we got some new announcements from uh, Screen Factory, who does those wonderful limited edition, lots of special feature uh, releases of older movies. Uh, we got one, we're getting one for uh, The Exorcist 3, Uh, Mm -hmm. which is you a personal favorite. Uh, Dr. Giggles, which I'm really excited about. It's another personal favorite.
1: I have not seen that in a long time. Casey, it holds up, and I'll argue that it's better watching it now than it was when I first saw it when I was younger. (laughs) That that movie is way nastier than I remember. And um, uh, Larry Drake is so amazing in it. Yeah. And
0: you can uh, revisit our interview with Manny Cotto, the director of Dr. Giggles. Oh, And then uh, the last one that they announced was uh, Dead Silence.
1: I don't, I'm you sure know, I've seen it, but
0: I can't remember anything about that movie.
1: I, I revisited <laughs> Dead Silence. Casey, I think you guys did that as an episode, like five, six, seven years ago, somewhere around there. Yeah. And I, I, re- I remember re it when you guys did, and, man, I, it, I didn't love it. Like, I, I wanted to – like, everything about that movie just sounds like pure – nightmare fuel and I, I i'm not saying people shouldn't watch it for some reason it just didn't click with me and i watched it when it came out and i thought it was pretty good i watched it a second time and again it wasn't bad i was just kind of indifferent towards it
2: yeah i think that's where i went and it eventually
1: landed on it too it's all right for a rewatch, though yeah or if you're afraid of dolls like holy shit <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah or old ladies yeah or, or old women i mean Hey, and, and if you don't want to watch it because you're afraid of dolls, I respect that too because I fucking won't watch Arachnophobia. So.
0: <laughs> nice. I think I saw the doing Arachnophobia remakes.
1: Oh, I saw uh, it. I saw, I saw the. No, thank you. Yep. Nope. Not watching it. <laughs> I love it. I watched Arachnophobia uh,
2: once from my buddy's uh, kitchen peeking around the corner. Dude, I, I love Jeff oh.
1: Daniels. I love John Goodman. In, uh I'm not getting anywhere near that fucking movie. <laughs> I just know I'm going to have fucking nightmares for weeks of that shit.
0: Yeah. All right. Speaking of Killer Dolls, Megan made a killing at the box office this weekend. But I think it's
1: around um 30 million. It's second place next to Avatar 2, which is fucking crazy. Do you know what the budget was for that movie? Like 10 million something? 12 million. million? 12, million. Wow.
2: 12 million. Yeah, good for them.
1: Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. So James, James Wan needs the, original, the money, right? Or-
1: yeah, anytime. Yeah, James Wan <laughs> and James Jason Bloom, they are really you know, struggling. Yeah, but, but you know what though? Again, it's this is we couldn't whether whatever your thoughts are in the movie, I don't care. But again, it, this is a win for horror fans. It's a win for horror whenever these movies do this kind of stuff because it just opens those gates for for more big budget releases and more and for studios to respect horror more and more.
2: Yeah, they, well, we got into a discussion on that uh, kind of with the especially with the theater releases uh on bgh a week or two ago and like schnarz was talking about there then too i mean horror movies are the ones that are actually making for the most part are the only movies making box office money yeah right theaters
1: as of late so and and it's kind of funny because evil dead rises just dropped a trailer Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, i usually, I used to be an anti-trailer guy. I still kind of am, but then I realized that my brain doesn't work anymore. So I can't remember shit anyways. So I, just go, <laughs> I, think, I think I'm gonna start watching trailers again. I guess I haven't watched this one yet, but uh, uh, evil dead rises was supposed to be 100% streaming and VOD. And then uh. now it's getting a theatrical release. And I think, it, I think a lot of that's due to the success of these recent horror films. And that's uh, a, it. it's a, it's a good thing. It's a good thing for the, for the, for the industry. It's a good thing for the genre. And, like, I'm I'm excited to go see Evil Dead Rises in the theater.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that looks like
1: a lot.
2: Yeah. I get, I pick and choose if I'm going to watch a trailer or not. If it's something that, you know, is going to have something like a good plot twist or something like that, I'm not going to watch it because for fear of something. But yeah. like, Evil Dead Rise, I expected Blood and Gore. That's what I wanted to see in the trailer. And that's what I got. <laughs> that's
1: awesome. I haven't watched it yet. I probably will. Um, I am excited too. Knock at the Cabin is coming out pretty soon. And, yeah, uh, like that one. I watched that trailer because I've read the book. I'm like, they, I they can't spoil it for me at this point.
2: <laughs> yeah, I'm here really good. I saw a couple articles this last week about how good uh, Dave Batista is, and that
1: what's what's crazy. about but Dave Dave Batista, and, and this is to his credit, hundred percent credit, is that he he was a wrestler, right, and then became an actor. But people like. Uh, the Rock, for instance, everyone knows The Rock was a wrestler. Everyone will always associate Dwayne Johnson with being The Rock. But I think at this point, Dave Bautista has eclipsed his wrestling career where more people know him from uh, Guardians of the Galaxy and other movies he's done than know him yeah. from being a wrestler. And that's his credit and how I think he's actually a really good actor. Yeah. And and, the, oh, tra- yeah. and he was the trailer. Um, he says uh, when he goes. She goes, why? Because I'm sad. She goes, why are you sad? He goes, I'm sad for what I'm going to have to do. Gave me goosebumps. I was like, oh, fuck. Because I know where it's going. And uh, yes, yeah, so I'm, I'm pretty excited for that.
2: I yeah. also read about how uh, Glass Onion, his wrinkly head freaked people out.
1: Oh, I haven't seen Glass Onion. Yeah, I haven't was, seen Knives. So do I need to see Knives out before I watch Glass Onion? You don't have to, but I, I should. Have, you know,
0: you, you I, I would say you should because, first of all, it's a fantastic movie. And I think it's slightly yeah. better than, than glass onion but i still think glass onion is very very good just, yeah, it's think, all about benoit blank yeah the first the first movie is more of an ensemble and the second movie is more benoit's movie so i think yeah. it makes sense just to be
1: introduced to the character because they kind of just throw you right into the deep end with him okay i'll check it out they, they, they uh, it's, both on my list for forever it's just get around to it yeah
2: but yeah, people were freaking out about Dave Batista, and Glass Onion because the guy had those wrinkles that it was uh, <laughs> interview and he's talking about from his wrestling days because that's you know the best place to bleed from. Yeah, <laughs> if you're a wrestling fan. Well,
1: if you ever want to see uh, some really, there's, 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 there's okay. a, re- a wrestler called Abdullah the Butcher. Oh yeah, and he was yeah famous from the 70s, 80s, 90s. Um, uh, fun fact: He once stabbed me in the head with a fork. That's a whole other story.
0: Um, <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> But that's a, his, that's a story for our Patreon. He was thing for, list.
1: His thing was having his baths, but there's a video of him and his scars are so deep on his forehead from carving himself up that he's put, he puts quarters in them as a parlor trick.
0: Yeah. yeah. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> All right. That's a great segue to our um, dad advice.
1: <laughs> <laughs> don't carve on your skull. <laughs> if you're going to do it, just let it heal before you do it the second time and don't do it for free. Make sure you're getting paid. <laughs> If you're a young wrestler out there, don't bleed for free. Come on, man. Just fucking get paid.
2: And a little goes a long way. <laughs>
1: this is true. And, and if you want to, and this is the reason why you don't take aspirin or you can't drink before you get a tattoo is because all that shit thins your blood. So if you want to be a wrestler and you want to bleed like a motherfucker, take a couple of aspirin. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> that's not our dad advice. That'd be terrible. That's, I I guess. Guess. That's, just li- that's just life advice right there. this just life advice. Uh
0: because um neither of you were on our episode for the outside uh I, i'll accept that advice from that episode as well because i think you had something you wanted to
1: touch on i don't remember what that was oh what was that's the, the one the, with the uh the gel oh and yeah the, in, in the moment i cut kind of, so the outside was very big on um on, on you know, body, body image body image yeah. I, I just just want to shout people out there who would struggle with body image that um, I do too. Like I, 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 I got was, you know, 300 pounds for a long time and there's nothing wrong with that, but I still don't feel like I'm any smaller than I used to be. But like the, the shittiest part about losing a lot of weight in this, it, it the in this like, God damn it. Like, I hate saying this because people think it's like a humble brag, but it's not. It's that people treat you better when you lose a lot of weight mm-hmm. and it fucking sucks because you realize people try, you finally, you start to realize, Oh wow. Like you only treat me better now because I look different and because I'm not 300 pounds anymore. And that really does suck. And if I, give, if I had advice on that, my advice is just, like, fucking treat people for who they are in here and not what they are out here. Because what they are out here is all bullshit, right? Like, it doesn't really fucking matter. Yeah, what the, what people are inside is what really fucking matters. And that's, like, pretty – everyone should know that. If like if, 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 but, but I think sometimes people need to be reminded of it.
0: The, right. I think we just have such a knee-jerk tribal reaction to appearances <laughs> sometimes. It's just, like, ingrained. And I think it just, it just takes a lot to deprogram that. Yeah,
1: it does. And, and uh, you know, everyone to an extent is a bit prejudiced and that's mm-hmm. just part of our like instinctive nature as being an animal. And right. I, I mean that as like, if you see a bear with big teeth, you're prejudiced. You're thinking, I'm prejudging that this fucking bear might attack me because he's got big teeth. That's terrifying. That's um, <laughs> really, if it's on cocaine. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but, but what I mean by that is like, it's, it, it takes effort right to get to get past that to get past that initial right. you know if you, yeah. see, if you see someone dressed in like shoddy clothes a lot of times people's first thought is that person that person could be filthy rich but fucking loves that old t-shirt that he got when he was in fucking college it doesn't matter really what's out here you know unless someone's coming at you with like a knife or something like that i get it judge away
0: well i think the f- the first step is to acknowledge that your bias
1: yeah which is not easy to do a lot of times yeah and but it's also to get over that and realize that dude like you know Again, it, we're all it, we're, we're 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 literally just like a fucking little ball of salt and fat and <laughs> inside of this body of flesh and bone. Like, well, the, the fucking flesh and bone doesn't really matter that much. <laughs> it's what's in that fucking sack of fat and salt (laughs) that keeps us going that's what's really important at the end of the day and who we are as human beings and how we treat other people like it's i was just i was doing a lot of traveling over the past week to virginia and back and just seeing how people treat their fellow man like just in general is kind of disgusting (laughs) sometimes especially in airports and oh yeah so i was in a in a plane i'm not gonna say where i was going or what i don't know i was flying but someone sat down next to me in front of us as a younger i say younger couple younger to us probably mid-20s maybe mid-20s late late 20s and, uh, they had a baby with them because, you know, and I say baby, maybe about 12, maybe 12 months at the oldest, but, um, baby wasn't happy because baby's ears are popping. Baby's on this fucking little metal box flying through the sky, which doesn't make sense to which still doesn't make sense to me. I'm an yeah. adult. Like I'm flying <laughs> to the sky in a little metal box. And, and, uh, the person sits down next to me and the first comment is like, we're still getting all settled. It's like, Oh fuck. We were just next to a baby. Like, I just, just let it go. Because, you know, if you tell the baby's already uncomfortable and the parents are already uncomfortable. Because if you guys are yeah. in a situation, flying with a kid is not fun because you think everybody's staring at you. Yep. And and what I want to say, it takes, like, an ounce of kindness to not say that shit. To not Even if you're thinking that. Even if you're thinking, like, oh, God, a flying with a baby. I'm tired. Do you have to fucking say it? Do you have to make these people feel feel bad? And, A, you should have come prepared with noise-canceling headphones like I did. I didn't hear the baby at all during the flight. And, um... So I do want to... If I had to give you some dad advice, I'd say to young parents out there who are flying with their baby, young parents that have their baby in public, your baby starts crying and people start looking at you, fuck all those people. You're doing what you can as a parent. Your baby's unhappy and is telling you the only way it can, which is crying. And that's okay. Because guess what? We were all fucking babies too at some point. And we probably did that same shit and there's nothing wrong with it. That's part of the human experience. And if people are rude to you, don't feel bad because that's not you being a bad parent. That's them being an asshole. Unless unless your baby's crying and you're sitting there with noise canceling headphones on ignoring it in which case then yes, you are the asshole. (laughs) But (laughs) but I've seen that one time in a million times I fly. Um, Yeah. So yeah, you know, my dad advice the week is let's just be nicer to one another. It's a fucking new year. Let's just try to treat our fellow human with a little bit of empathy, a little bit of kindness. And also like if you're at the airport or the car rental counter or Kroger or Smith's and something doesn't go your way, Dude, that's just life. Like, yeah, does it suck sometimes? Yeah, it sucks. But the person standing there behind the counter is not your enemy. They're not the bad guy. They're just trying to make a living like everybody else is. And and don't take it yeah. out of them. Just take it, take a deep breath sometimes. And you know what? If you have to, if you feel like you have to rant to them, fucking tell them. Like, hey, I know this isn't your fault. I just need to rant. And usually they'll be like, Yeah, okay. Rant to me. Do it. Because, but just tell me, just just tell me you're not yelling at me. I used to work for Apple, I used to have a guy, I had a guy one time that was like going off. And the first thing he goes, I'm really angry at the situation. I know it's not you guys. You guys have been nothing but amazing, but I need to rant to someone. Can I rant to you? we're like, fucking ran away. Let's do this.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Can I tell you (laughs) why? Even even with the whole Southwest situation last week, uh, right before Christmas, I was trying to get my oldest son home to his mother for Christmas and it's like i canceled like three different times and we were at the airport and the lady on the Osprey says we're doing our best we'll get to each with every one of you please don't yell at us
2: yeah oh yeah
0: and it was frustrating as hell but and i have all the i have all the sympathy in the world for that person and i have all the sympathy for my in my anger at the whole at the the general situation as well both both <laughs> things can be true
1: There's a comedian who I love, uh, Chad Daniels, who's um, also a dad, which, hey, Chad, I know you're not listening to us, but if you are, let's get on this podcast, dude. Uh, But He has a podcast called Middle of Somewhere, which is uh, next to bloody good horror is my favorite podcast. Yeah, see, see, what I did there. Uh, yeah, I see that. But he talks a lot about. He's a comedian. He travels all the time, obviously for work. And he talks about he never gets upset when a fl- he never gets mad when a flight is canceled. He goes, I just do everything in my power to get to a location. If the stars align against me and I can't get there because of whatever, he goes, I'm not gonna go off. I I'm, I'm not gonna be mad. He goes because I did everything I could do. Like it's just that's just how life works. And there's no point in yeah. yelling and screaming. And, you know, and, and, and also a little bit of kindness to fellow man goes, goes a long way, whether you see it or you don't. So uh, I'm going to tell a a little story here, whatever for Apple. And, uh, so, um, we had a, a guy, JR, that used to work in JR. Now uh, shout out to JR. You can find his artwork on only my two There's a lot of great anime artwork, which he's making a living from now. And I watched that guy grind from day one. So fuck yeah, JR. And, but he, um, was, was always like, the nicest guy, gave the best customer service. And then another friend of ours was at Best Buy and was getting help with a TV. And if you've ever been to Best Buy, they're notorious for ignoring you. And he got like the best customer service at Best Buy. And um, he told the kid, he goes, man, he goes, you've been the best employee I've ever dealt with the Best Buy. Like your, your, your customer service is great thank you. He goes, yeah. Because one time I went to the Apple store and I met this guy named JR who gave me the best <laughs> service. And I was like, I should be giving good service to people. Um that's how I want to treat people. And so just a little bit of kindness in any situation can have far reaching effects that you might never know about. Um, just because like you might deal with that retail worker who's been beat down all day long and just ask them how their day is going and just, you know, telling them, Hey man, it's it's cool you're out of that. Things happen. Like can go such a long way in turning that person's day around. And it's just yeah. being a fucking human and just being uh, yeah. just a little bit of kindness to one another. Cause it's crazy how like how, God, it's crazy how, like, the minute someone goes into a retail establishment, suddenly they feel like the employees are beneath them. No, they're not. They're, they're making a living like everybody else is. So, fuck, dude. Exactly. Like, and if you're out there and you're in retail land, dude, like I did it for a long time. We commend you and all you service workers out there, man. It's a tough job. And most of you guys are really great at it.
2: Yeah, going into a, a store or something and considering there's people beneath you always tries to be nuts because it's not like you want to do that job. Otherwise, you would be, right? <laughs>
1: exactly. Like, Somebody's got to do it. Be nice to them. When I was a technician at Apple and people talk shit to us, I'd be like, well, it's funny, because you had to make an appointment to talk to me. So I don't know. <laughs> 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 and also, one last thing. This is dad advice to your kids out there, you younger youngsters working retail. People have to treat you like adults. Don't let people treat you poorly. If people curse at you. People call you names. Don't curse them back. That's bad etiquette because all you do is escalate the situation, but just flat out tell them, Hey, you can't talk to me that way. I'm just not going to help you. Will it piss them off? Probably. Did you do the right thing? Yeah. And if HR wants to give you shit for that, then that company sucks. Yep. Yep. Mm. Don't need to be there (laughs) anyway. Rant today, but that's a a feel-good rant.
0: (laughs) All right. Well, that wraps up another episode. Casey, thank you for joining us. Where can people find you?
2: Hey, thanks for having me. Uh, I am on Bloody Good Horror Podcast just about every week. Uh, You can find me on Instagram, too. at cinema.fromage. That's where I uh, post a lot of my artwork. So uh, come out there and hang out. Otherwise, I'm not on too many uh, social medias as of late other than Instagram. But uh, there you have it.
0: Okay. No, yeah. I really enjoy seeing your artwork there. So uh, keep it up. Oh, thank and, you. <laughs> and i
1: said it before, but uh, if you guys looked scroll to Casey's Instagram, look at where he started to where he's come. It's like, it's yeah. awesome watching your It really is. Like it, I love watching your progression and how like oh, intricate thanks. your artwork become. And I love it. Casey yeah. will always post like one more, one more sketchbook filled up. It's cool. Yeah. Man.
2: I'm up to about ten now, so I'm pretty wow. excited. I get into it. That's it's awesome. It's a good
1: motivator. <laughs> That's great. And before we close up, I give one more shout out. Our good friend, uh, our 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 our, uh, our fun Aunt Whitney is doing a 52 week movie challenge. Yes. At, oh, you can find her on Twitter at on oh my horror oh my horror, and she has a website also oh where you can kind of track and keep up with uh, what we're doing. Uh, last week was body horror, I believe. Which I did. Freddy's Dead for body. I'm going to argue Freddy's Dead is body horror. Nice. Yeah, I mean pretty much any
0: nightmare could be body horror, really. I did the Sasuke Sisters uh, Rabbit remake. How'd you like it?
2: It wasn't bad. I, I thought I it was good. Did, yeah, it didn't.
1: I was expecting a lot worse, and it was not bad at all. It definitely kept the uh added some new elements in, but a, a very close remake to the original. Yeah, thought it was really well done. And um I forgot what this week is, so I do apologize. It's
2: um, 80s horror. I did. I, I happened to look at that earlier.
1: So. 80s horror. So yeah, a lot, a lot of stuff. So check it out. Um, really cool stuff over there. Well, next week
0: we will be reviewing Cabinet Curiosities episode six, Dreams in the Witch House. We appreciate everyone for listening. We really appreciate it if you would give us a rating and review on iTunes, a rating on Spotify, check out our Patreon for bonus content. Also check out YouTube for videos of these podcasts. With that, we thank you for listening to Dads from the Crypt. Adios. <laughs> Follow Dads from the Crypt on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram, or I will follow you to the grave. (laughs) No, seriously,
1: you really should watch, but be careful what you ask for. You may get it.